Hey there, friends. Welcome to Having a Blast with Kyle. I am your host, Kyle Devlin. And on this particular podcast, I like to do deep dives of important albums from the scene. I also enjoy talking to friends and going deep on albums that they love and just really exploring those as well as interviewing band members, friends, other podcast hosts, producers, and the like. Occasionally, I think I'm going to be sprinkling in some episodes that are mainly stories from my past and just being in a band and experiences that I've had over the years. And today is going to be one of those episodes. I didn't really think I'd be talking about this so early on in this little endeavor, which is this podcast, but I have three interviews coming up that I'm really, really excited about and I'm excited to share with you guys. Those are all happening this week. I tried to schedule something this weekend and it just didn't really work out that way. So instead, I wanted to do a quick story. And today is essentially the story of how I got my first band on the Warp Tour back in 2002. I've written about this many times over the years, usually in long self-indulgent posts on social media. I even considered writing a book pertaining to thoughts and how the power of thoughts might be the most powerful thing in existence, at least from a metaphysical, esoteric, humanistic point of view. I may do that eventually, and I'm actually going to be reading something that I've written a while ago, so I'm going to try to keep it as conversational and as fluid as possible, because I know sometimes when people read into a podcast, it can sometimes come off as very dry and monotone. It doesn't really flow as well as somebody just talking and telling a story, so I'll be riffing on this as well, but hope you guys will enjoy this episode where I talk about how got my band on Warp Tour for the first time. So without further ado, we're going to get started. So just an upfront aside, I should say that optimism, the trait optimism is a variant and a characteristic of what I would consider to be successful people. And success doesn't have to mean money specifically. I know that's a metric that people often use, but I just think of successful people as people who are doing things on their own terms and living their lives accordingly and how they want to. I think people who are optimistic, they are also very in tune with how the world operates because pragmatism and optimism can allow these types of successful people to see the world with many more possibilities and opportunities. And these types of people are generally determined to see their plans come to fruition and their thoughts are more optimistic, which means their thoughts are less corruptible overall. This brings me to my next point, which is kind of a punk rock story. So when I was a teenager, I had an affinity for punk rock music. If you're listening to this podcast, you can probably already tell that. And I mean, I love punk rock. I still love punk rock. I'm 36 years old at the point of this recording, and it's safe to say that I'll always admire and adore punk rock. And I really, I say this a lot, but I hope that when I'm 80 years old, I will be the old man who is still getting excited about records and playing music from my youth and from my past. When I'm 80, you'll probably catch me blasting No Effects, Bad Religion, Blink-182, just as I would today. There's just something about the DIY spirit and the DIY ethos of punk rock and probably the fast drum beats too. <laughs> it just rings true into my heart, even to this day. When I was younger, there weren't many things that had my blood pumping 
playing like punk rock did. It was just very, very special to me. And sure, I stand in the back of the venues these days. I like to think of myself as just an observer now, but it's still so much fun. And there's still so many ways in which I identify being punk rock today and things that seem punk rock to me and culturally just pointing out ways in which people are still being punk rock and living their lives accordingly. I'm attracted to the attitude associated with punk rock because punk rock isn't only about the music. It's about the attitude. It's about championing against the norms and doing something unexpected with zero apologies. I like when people do the unexpected and the unconventional. I like when people live life on their own terms, despite what anyone might say or what society may even try to dictate. As long as they're not hurting anybody else or prohibiting anybody else from living life on their terms. I appreciated the sight of a wild bunch of kids thrashing against monotony and that was a group of people in which I wanted to be a part of and I just remember seeing bands swinging their guitars back and forth and jumping off of gigantic vibrating speakers and I just liked what it stood for. So story time. The first time I started going to the Warp Tour was in 1998 and in that year it was in Lawrence, Kansas at a skate park and for anybody who was there it was dusty. I remember going home just covered in dust because it was basically out on a big dusty field. For over 20 years, the Vans Warp Tour traveled the United States of America in order to bring the youth and to their disadvantage, maybe the parents, all the aggressive, heavy punk rock music that they could possibly stand. Warp Tour is an outdoor music festival, was an outdoor music festival. Side note, I hope someone decides to bring it back and buy the rights from Kevin and just start the Warp Tour up all over again. That would be great. Generally in the relentless heat of the summer months and for one day in a city near you, the tour supplied a laundry list of bands that would make your ears ring for at least 24 hours. I remember the night sleeping after Warp Tour was always difficult, but worth it. I always thought of Warp Tour as punk rock summer camp for freaks and weirdos. Generally, the freaks and weirdos that you avoided in high school, unless you were one of those weirdos, in which case, I salute you. So I started a punk band, pop punk band, when I was 16 years old. It was my dream to play the Vans Warp Tour. I had been witness to several smaller bands playing rickety attempts at stages that looked as if they were built by the bands themselves. I'd later find out, I'd later come to find out, that this was actually the case, because I was in a band that had to build a makeshift stage every day when we played in 2003. So we may as well have been standing on tables and these bands may as well have been standing on small tables. Some of the side stages of those earlier years at Warp Tour. Hidden behind the bigger tents, these punks grabbed their instruments one by one and the audience began to scream with the vigor of 10,000 Spartan heroes. And in many ways, the rejected. The culmination and representation all collided at Warp Tour for the punk rock community. The first band I ever had the privilege of seeing on Warp Tour was a band called The Bouncing Souls, classic punk band from the East Coast. I remember their guitar player had bleach blonde hair, and it was the type of bleached hair where... It had been a few weeks since he had done it, and he had naturally black hair, so of course there was the mixture of the two. And I remember he was playing a white Les Paul, Gibson Les Paul, and the chords just sounded beefy, and that distortion just sounded so big. Even outside, it was loud. We were close. We were sweating. Hair was matted to the sweaty faces of the band and the people in the audience. We existed in the sweltering heat, listening to these anthemic punk rock sing-alongs, and everybody sang along. 
with each other. They knew who they were, knew what they wanted to say, and I screamed along with them and sang along with them. And I wanted so badly to do what they were doing, and I would fight like hell to see that dream become a reality. I essentially needed my band to be on that stage. It was quite a few months leading up to the summer of 2002 when I began this quest, my quest of getting my band on that stage. And that quest consisted of endless hours, countless hours, researching various music sites, trying to hunt down music promoters and bigwigs and booking agents. I searched for anyone linked to the Warp Tour. Following a rabbit trail of tiny fonts at the bottom of CD jackets, I discovered the man, the myth, the legend, Kevin Lyman. Kevin Lyman, to me, was the gatekeeper, the man with all the keys. Kevin was the mastermind behind Warped, the man in charge, beginning all the way back in the summer of 1995. I had somehow, through my diligent and unwavering research, acquired Kevin's email. I'm still not exactly sure how I retrieved his email, but I do remember what it was to this day. Kevin Warped at AOL.com. AOL.com. Yep, that was a thing, and bigwigs actually used it, which is crazy. Pretty obvious, right? I'm not sure if he still uses that email, but if you're in a punk band, you never know. This might be your lucky day. So after procuring Kevin Lyman's email, I did sort of the unthinkable. I emailed him. I told him it was my dream to play Warp Tour, and I told him this with as much sincerity as I could possibly type. At the time, I poured my heart out to him. I told him that I had been attending for years, which at that point I had three years previously. And it was my dream to play Warp Tour, even if just once. And you can probably imagine what happened. No response. Waited a week and then I emailed him again. And you can probably guess what happened after that as well. No response. So again, I emailed. And again, and again, the promise of an opportunity kept tugging at me as each finger hit the keys. Another email, another question, no response. I don't know if it was my own stubbornness or something otherworldly and metaphysical, but I just didn't quit. So I went ahead and sent him another email. And to be honest, at this time, I didn't really think I would ever actually reach him. I mean, surely he had an assistant reading all of these emails, right? Surely this assistant would read one sentence of my email before swiftly deleting it from existence. I almost certainly knew that my email was destined to end up in the internet abyss and they were just immediately going to, you know, laugh at what I was saying and and just quickly, quickly delete it. Even then, as young as I was, I was still sort of acutely aware of the bureaucracy involved inside the music industry. I just assumed that there was definitely many people on the way to the final boss in the game that was Kevin Lyman. And yet, I decided to send it again. I decided to send another email. And then one day, randomly, a response. Hey Kyle, pick 20 dates and you have them. Wait, what What exactly just happened? That was it. That, the best sentence I'd ever seen at that point. I was elated. I literally remember jumping for joy, standing in the office of my parents' house. My feet sank into the carpet beneath me as I stared at the screen just over and over and over again, reading the words that almost felt like a joke. A cruel joke that someone must be playing on me, but it wasn't. Hey Kyle, pick 20 dates and you have them. Uh, okay. So my chest pounding, handshaking, nearly begin to sob. This was it. This was the moment I got through. Somehow I got a hold of Kevin. I was 18 years old and I was about to graduate high school and my band was going to play the legendary Warp Tour. Everything I could have ever hoped for was going to become real for me in that moment. And... 
one simple sentence changed my entire world in an instant. So there's a few things I want to talk about in regards to this story. One of the benefits of youth is the concept known as naive optimism. So this goes back to my original point about how being pragmatically optimistic can serve you. And even if there is a hint of naivety there or just a whole big batch of naivety. I had no business getting my band on the Warp Tour. Let's just make that clear. I didn't go through the correct channels. My band had worked really hard and we paid some dues at that point, but hardly enough. Game Time worked hard, but we had hardly paid the dues. I think as an adult, I can objectively look at and say, yeah, you you guys should have been given the, the go ahead to play the biggest tour at that point for our genre. It was a fluke. It was a totally serendipitous phenomenon. It was magic, and it was all just because I was naive enough to try. I was naive enough to think I could get my band on a national festival. And I mean, who was I? What right did I have to even ask to be on a national festival? It was also something that didn't seem like it was beyond the realm of possibility. So two things were true at the same time there, and yet I was naive enough to try and ask and just send a couple emails. It was also in that moment as I was reading the reply from Kevin Lyman himself that I discovered something. In many ways, my thoughts shape, create, and become my reality. My thoughts shape my belief, and my beliefs drove my behavior, and that led me to believe that emailing someone of that magnitude was worth it. My thoughts shaped my belief, and that led me to try. And that summer, right after graduating high school, was one of the funnest summers I've ever had in my entire life. Game Time got to play 20 dates on the Vans Warp Tour in 2002, and this is a great year. I mean, you had a lot of legendary bands on the tour that year, No Effects, Lagwagon, Alkaline Trio, Bad Religion, Real Big Fish, but you also had a lot of newcomers on the tour that year. You had bands like Yellow Card and Thrice and Something Corporate and you had all of the drive-through stage and drive-through artists. I remember American Hi-Fi played the drive-through stage, Yellow Card played the drive-through stage, Glassjaw played the drive-through stage. The Used was on that year. That was their first year right before they blew up. I remember meeting Matt Skiba on this tour. I remember meeting Scott Sellers from Rufio on this tour. He just happened to be attending the LA date. I remember meeting Jack Antonoff because he was playing for Steel Train and opening each day on the drive through stage. I remember meeting Tony Sly and Matt from No Use for a Name. So it was a pretty monumental summer. It was a great year. And I cherish the memories of that time and I cherish the story that I just told you regarding emailing Kevin Lyman and the fact that Kevin Lyman gave us a shot. I think the point really I'm trying to drive home here is being a person on a mission is really the only way to make things happen in this life. Having the audacity to try. I knew it was a long shot but I tried anyway. I knew it wasn't likely. I was still convinced that I could make it happen eventually. I had to at least think and believe it was a possibility. At least a subtle hint of a possibility. And in hindsight, I recognized that it wasn't an accident either. It wasn't luck. I didn't get lucky. I was persistent. And persistence is what paid off. I took action and worked hard to make it happen. I sent one email and didn't receive a response. There are a lot of other people out there who would have quit right then and there. One and done. They wouldn't have attempted to send another email and another and another and another until their desired outcome became a reality. Game time, we had been a band for two years up to that point. And there were so many things that we had to take deliberate and intentional action towards to ultimately get us to the Warp Tour. So we had perseverance and determination under our belt. Finding the right band members, writing songs, rehearsing those songs. We had to come up with the money to record the songs we had written. We booked our own shows and promoted the hell out of them. And we worked our asses off 
And in many ways, I had to be the captain of my own ship and steer like hell when it came to doing this. I had absolutely no business maneuvering my way onto a tour that size. My band was no on nobody, but I hammered Warp Tour because that was my mission and I put all of my attention and focus into it and on it. I didn't quit after sending one email. I sent many and eventually it worked. So bold actions lead to incredible outcomes if you're willing to work hard to see those visions come to light. Bold ideas and actions can transform a life and give it purpose and meaning. Kevin gave me a shot without ever hearing a single second of my band's music, and I'm forever grateful for it. Instead of going straight to college, like a lot of my friends were getting ready to do, I was sweating in a random parking lot carrying heavy equipment across an empty amphitheater at 6.30 in the morning, and I was probably choking down a soggy breakfast burrito and a lukewarm cup of gas station coffee, and yet some of the best memories of my life were experienced on that first summer playing the Warp Tour. And I walked away with lessons that get more substantial and immense as time passes, met some of my favorite bands, made countless friends. I felt brave. I felt like I had a purpose and that purpose was being realized before my eyes. And unfortunately, as I got older, I think I became a little less brave. And I think that's just the nature of getting a little bit older. Sometimes we forget how powerful we are and sometimes we forget about the pragmatic, naive optimism. And we forget to ask for things that we want and we forget to take chances and try things. Something bad happens and, it, and it's difficult to pick up the pieces. And it's easy to start blaming other people and other things for what's happening to us in life. And we sort of become a product of our circumstances or we think we're a product of our circumstances. There was definitely times where I became jaded and more cynical than anyone in my position ought to be. And I had everything I needed at my disposal. I forgot about what had led me to email Kevin Lyman, what allowed me to have that belief that I was able to email a total stranger and walk onto a national tour. I forgot that my thoughts and beliefs were the key to living the life that I wanted to live. I forgot that I had that power and that is power that a lot of us can have and yield if we if we give it its weight and recognize that it's there and that we can grab it. And so anyways, just remember that if you'd like to do something in this life, there's no time like the present and it never hurts to ask. It never hurts to ask for what you want and it never hurts to lead with a little bit of naivety and pragmatic optimism because sometimes when you ask for what you want, sometimes when you think a thought and then it becomes something that you actively and purposefully work towards every single day, you actually get it and it actually is amazing and you deserve it. So hope you enjoyed that little story about how I got my first band on the Warp Tour. Hopefully you can pinpoint some parallels in your life of when you were naive enough to try something and it worked out or maybe it didn't and that's okay too. I've attempted countless things and tried countless things that didn't really come to fruition or didn't work out and that's okay still worth trying hope you guys are having a wonderful day today hope you guys are revisiting some of your favorite records and thinking about your favorite times being sweaty out on the warp tour grounds i know those were some of my favorite days of summer past and yeah this week i've got a bunch of cool interviews in the works and we're going to be doing some more deep dives on some important albums with friends and producers and i look forward to it keep supporting your favorite artists your favorite bands because art's important and we need to support them now more than ever take care i'll talk to you soon